Welcome everyone to the Two Tongues Podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds. Where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos get here anyway? Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark. Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence. Ready or not, here we go. Bonsoir and guten tag, you sons of bitches. It's a new year and we're here bringing you the Two Tongues podcast. Indeed we are. Indeed we are. Happy 2022. Yes, indeed. How you doing? I'm I'm doing well. It's another, it's another early morning podcast. Yeah, it is. I like them. Um, how's this new year going for you so far? Um, so far, well, that's a surprise. So so far, so good. My wife made breakfast this morning. Hell yeah. I had she a breakfast burrito Breakfast myself. burritos. Big old, big old breakfast burritos. Not the, delicious. Not the shitty little McDonald's things that... I like or, those. Or whatever. But these are way better. Way better. Way better. Yeah, absolutely. Hold on. Forgive the noise for a second, you guys. We're playing some percussion right. over here. Okay, dokey, smoky. Okay, so... Um, so what's up, dude? <laughs> um... What is up? Well, I got this really cool uh, wall in the podcast studio. Yeah, you do. Completed, at least for now, with... Uh, it's This is my cave art wall. Okay. So, not to be confused with my Alex Gray wall behind us. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, noticing a theme, kind of. Oh, I'd be interested to hear what you think connects the, the two walls. Um, <laughs> some sort of mysticism. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um... So anyway, we talked about these. I, I had a, an episode where I talked about therianthropes and different types of religious sim- symbols and connecting, connecting them to sphinxes and angels and the goddess Nike and Apollo and all this sort of stuff. And what's cool about that, the idea is that those characters appear all over the place in myths and religion. I mean, there's like no religion that doesn't have them as far as I'm concerned. You can think about like totem poles from Native American mythology. You can think of, um, you know, I mean, they're everywhere. Yep. So I got introduced to two of them, the one on the top from La Trois Frères Cave in France. The, uh, they, they, they say that he represents a shaman, but basically what it is is a uh, picture of a bison, a badass picture of a bison. Um, and then laying kind of like half, half laying and half standing is this weird man uh, with four fingers on his hands. But he's clearly a man. He's got a body, legs, arms, hands, and feet like a human being. His head looks really strange. It looks like it has a beak. And you might wonder if if he really does have a head of a bird. You might wonder if, if that was just a, you know, because it's crude. It's not like a not like a particularly skillful picture. Yeah. You might think, well, maybe maybe it's just a, a human. Could be, could be a lizard, too. Could, could be a lizard. Be a lizard head. But yeah. right below him is a bird on a staff. Yeah, it, lo- it clearly looks like a bird on a staff. And the head is exactly the same as the man's. It's very obviously not a lizard. So you could you could see that it's it's a man with the head of a bird. Yeah. Down below is from uh, the great Chauvet, uh, no Lascaux, a cave in France, and it's called the Sorcerer of Lascaux, and it's weird, man. It, it is weird. It's got an it's a, a a 
half animal, half man type of figure. That it's harder to tell that it's half man, but if you look at the feet and the legs and you look at the arms and the hands, they're human. The body is a body of a, of a, of a stag or a deer. Kind uh, of. Kind of. The tail is sort of weird. It's, it's not like a horse's tail. It's like a horse's tail. The antlers on the head look like a, like a not, not like a deer. It looks like a moose or an elk or something. Yeah. And then the face is an owl. And you yeah. can see, and this is another thing that's interesting. Look at all three of these pictures. The one that I haven't talked about uh, yet is the one from uh, Algeria. It's the, the one we talked about, the mushroom guy that we talked about recently. It's 9,000 years old. It's like a shaman. It's, a, it's clearly a man with a mask on and antlers, which you see in the Lascaux picture as well. But this is what I noticed about all three pictures. If you look up at the one, the bird man, you can't tell probably because there's a lot of glare from the lights, but look down at his penis look down at his crotchal region yeah what you're going to see is birdman has an erection yeah facing that terrifying he's bound um, up for sure t- facing that terrifying bison yeah if you look at the one down below it yeah, uh, the the yeah. sorcerer of lascaux he's, some... he's got a dick and balls hanging hanging out from behind him there yeah and then if you look at the one in algeria he's got dicks all over him well, he, he, he's well, he, covered in dicks. he's got mushrooms all over him so it doesn't look like that but look at his look at his uh, genital region it, it's a very distinct and pronounced it doesn't look like a penis exactly, like, but... It looks like he's wearing a cod piece. It looks like he's wearing a big cup. Yeah. Do you think that's interesting? I think that's... Is it oh, beyond, for sure. It's beyond coincidence that these weird half-man, half-animal um, creatures, therianthropes are called, all all have, like, attention being drawn to the yeah. to the penis. It's like, uh... Yeah, there's that kind of stuff all over the place back in the day, you know? Like, fertility's a big thing for, you know... Yeah, people love penises... Oh, well, that's true. The too, world but, over, yeah, you know, for sure. Throughout history, it's, people have loved penises. It's cross cultural, Kyle. <laughs> the love of penises is cross cultural. Um, but yeah, fertility throughout history has been a big thing. People making sacrifices for fertility. People, uh, you know, that's like when we get to talking about, you know, the Norse stuff. Uh, I think that um, I don't know. It's like these gods that they worship. They like. They almost serve the same purpose as saints, you know what I mean? Mm. They different ones have different things that you uh like are putting I don't know, concentration and energy into to get a reward of some sort. Um and fertility's obviously just like always been in across cultures a, a big one that people have done throughout time. I, right? I wanna I wanna say that that's an interesting comparison that you just made between the way that Catholics in particular think about saints and the way that the ancient gods, polytheistic gods were. So I just want to point that out in case that went that went under the radar. That's an interesting idea mm-hmm. because you, you have to think that it, during a, most of human history, there was no problem with us conceiving of God as many. Yeah. So you could have different gods with different attributes and it's no problem. But in the Christian era, the Judeo-Christian era, that changed and there's only one God. So how do you give the attributes that are unique and sometimes contradictory that you would give to different gods, how do you give them all to the same god? It's kind of hard to do that without contradictions. So instead, you just make saints and let them be the ones that represent all that different stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I want to know which saint is Thor. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure we could find it. Like, the saint... What what is... uh, Thor is like, you know, the god of bravery, you know? Uh, I think he has to do with... um, I think he has to do with harvests and stuff too, because of his wife. Mm. Uh, but I don't. I, I'm not really sure. I still got to work out all the details on that stuff. I wish I was more steeped in it. Um, 
I love the um, the Norse mythology, yeah. but I, I don't know it very well. Like I, I so just just to cut to the chase, Kyle's interested in doing an episode on yeah. on Vikings or the Norse or whatever. I think I'm going to concentrate on really digging into the Norse stuff like all year this year. Ooh, that's yeah. cool, man. I would like to learn from you in that regard, but I'll send you that podcast I've been listening to. Um, For sure. So I've got some interesting stuff that I can say about Ragnarok yeah. and about the creation uh, story. Mm-hmm. And there's probably more than one, but uh, I got some stuff, but not a lot. Cool. And I don't like know all the stories very well. so It's going to be a project. It'll be cool, though. Yeah. It'll be worthwhile. Uh, anyway, so getting back to these cave paintings for just one second. Um, there's a big difference in time between the Birdman and the Sorcerer of Scow yeah. and the one next to it. So we're talking about like the difference of like ten to 20,000 years between them, but they're still super ancient. The one which from, one's the oldest? The Birdman? Um, one of these two. I'm not okay. sure which one exactly. I don't, oh, okay. I don't know that they do know actually. Exa- okay. Exactly. Some people say that those cave paintings in Lascaux are 15,000 years old. Some people say they're 30,000 years old. That's incredible. I think they're closer to 30,000 years old. And the one from Algeria is 9,000 years old. I always lean older. I mean, um, you know, I think maybe I just do that because I think it's cooler. It's more of a spectacular thing if it's 30,000 years old. But I just... one of the things that I wanted to talk about when we started this podcast, and we haven't really touched on it too much, uh, is we've talked a lot about fake news, but I think that we should talk more as a culture about fake history. Um, and not necessarily even like, I feel like the media, the mainstream media, the corporate media today, they lie intentionally. Um, this stuff with academia, it's, um, this is the information that we could gather back in the day, and we are so married to this information that we can't even look at any new information. Mm, that's very postmodern of you, yeah. but I do like that <laughs> idea. The, like the lies that we've been told that we've accepted, and that you, we could do that for American history, but we could do that for Western history. We could talk about you know how basically all of Western history is from the Roman Greek Roman perspective. For sure. Like what about the what about the uh, the Visigoths? What Hell yeah, you know? Dude. What about what about the Celts? What about you know? There's so much interesting Germanic history that we don't know because the the only aspect we know of it is you're right the Roman aspect mm. of it. Actually, um, let me let me give you a quick example that I learned on that podcast. Um, th- there's a uh, I can't remember the specifics, so forgive me forgive me here. But there's a um, uh, a Norse holy book or some record, some ancient Viking record. Um, during the Christian era, where they're where they're talking about uh, the the um, the Book of Revelations, basically. Okay. But they're ta- they're Vikings, Norse, talking about the Christian story in a way that, that that clearly they don't understand what it really means. Okay. Because they're talking about the people of Muspel, and like their like their army. Okay. And Muspel is a place, a fiery hell, according to the Vikings, and. He and he, so when John, when Saint John paints the picture of you know an army of of uh, you know demons from hell coming and fighting you know the angels or whatever, yeah. the Vikings believed that these fiery demon creatures came from a place called Muspel and it, like like it was a part of their mythological kingdom and that these people were a people like any other, just like humans, just like elves, just like, you know, yeah. they're just one of them. Yep. The, these demon people that live on this demon world. And so it's interesting to see the way they understood the story. It would, I mean, a Christian would, would 
would would agree with almost none of that. Like, yeah, no, 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 you know what I mean? You're adding all this stuff in here. Um, well, we've talked about that on some level with uh, how when the Vikings did start accepting Christianity, it changed. Christianity changed. You know, it's not like they accepted it just the way it was. They made it, you know, like a Viking version of Christianity. Yep. Um, which is interesting. You know what else is interesting while you're studying this stuff that I'd like to know? Sorry. I'd like to know more about uh, Woden and o- you know mm-hmm. Odin and Woden from the Germanic Saxon um, connection and the Thor, because it se- it seems to me like the Woden religion and the Thor religion were originally different subgroups. You know, it's like um, some some cultures that live close together have different high gods. Like in Egypt, you know, North Egypt, you know, worshipped Ra. South Egypt worshipped Amun. And when they came together, the god became Amun-Ra. Yeah. You know, so there's something like that with uh, Thor and, and Odin that, you know, like maybe they didn't belong to the same pantheon um, far enough back and they got merged together. And they're like... They used to be high gods, both of them, and now they're kind of competing to see which is the high god. There's some interesting stuff about that that I'd like to I'd like to better understand. Yeah, I, I don't know how much of that. Sadly, I don't know how much of that will be able. I personally will be able to uncover. Uh, I wish that I was a linguist and I could like really dig into that stuff, you know, because I think I think that's what we need. I think we need people to you know, pull apart language the way that these people do. Uh, and I think there's a lot to be learned there about um, just, like, the origins of gods. I, I'm willing to bet that they're all traced back to the same god. And, mm. you know, the names of these gods developed the way that words develop. Um, you know, it's all cognates of each other. Yeah, that's, like that. that's super interesting. <clears throat> you know what we should do is we should just get an expert on the podcast to talk That'd to us cool about it. Hell. You know, it just that takes a little work. But we should definitely do that. I, yeah, I would be interested in that for sure. Uh, anyway, there was one other thing. I know we got off on this um, Viking stuff, but I wanted to say about these cave paintings before we before we move on entirely. I think there's a connection. If you look at these pictures, it's pretty obvious to me that when people started thinking about um, supernatural beings that were part animal, part human, it was like human beings could participate in in, the, in nature. They could be you know, part of nature. They could be an animal. They could be something like that. And there was a mystery behind that nature and and, uh, and the, you know, the balance of life and death and all that. Human beings started to think that they could participate in that, that it was a part of them. And, and it was like this mystical re- uh, realization. Um, then they started putting on masks to pretend they were animals. And so there's a connection between these Half man, half uh, animal creatures that go way back, mm-hmm. and when people, when shamans started dressing up like animals and hodgepodges of animals with the crazy masks and doing their ritual dances, that's what they're doing, man. They had this idea that they were part of nature and half nature and half divine, and then they started pretending that they were half man and half animal. I think there's a connection between shamanism and animism and that type of, uh, you know, that type of thing from that you see in the cave paintings. I think you're going to like that video that I have to play later. Oh, good. Um, I think that'll be interesting to you. Uh, but I do, I think that's interesting. I, animism is, uh, I mean, I think it's a really interesting thing because it's kind of like the oldest, you know? Right. Um like I don't want even I don't want to call it a religion really because it's not there's not like an organized religion. Well, I guess there are multiple organized religions around it, but but I think if you go back far enough, there weren't there weren't or, organized yeah. religion. It was an experience. It, it, it's like animism is like the principle that the 
those religions are organized around. Yeah, and for those people who don't know, uh, animism comes from this word anima, and we use it in English w- with the word animate. So if you if you can uh, picture something that's alive and moving, that's what we would call animated. So that so that idea of an, anima is something that that animates you, right? It's like a it's like your spirit. There's a spiritual energy that fills you and makes you alive, and that's what the anima is. And the and people in ancient times living close to nature saw everything as alive and yeah. filled with that same spirit that they were filled with. So that's, that's what the key part right there, right? You know? That exactly, and that's what animism is. But it's also that's also a way of describing pantheism. Sure, you know, absolutely. I think there's like some kind of breakdown. I think maybe there are types of animism that see everything as like all of the spiritual energy that things have as being separate. Whereas I don't necessarily think that. I think it's just right. kind of all one big soupy thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know where that idea comes from. Uh, that everything's alive, that comes from a mystical experience. Yeah. I don't think people, you might play with that idea in your imagination, but nothing would convince you that it's true until you have a mystic experience. Then you're like, okay, everything's got a spirit in it, same same spirit that, that I have in me. That's what the mystic intuition is, I mean, 100%. Yeah. It's interesting, man. It is interesting. Um, and if you were trying to explain that to other people, you know how it's impossible to do. But you might try, and the harder you try, the more religious that story becomes. Um, that's what you're doing. You're trying to tell somebody else what a mystic experience is like, and that's how religion is born. That's how the that's how the structure part gets born. Somebody trying to, to make it make sense to somebody who's not had the experience. Yeah. And that's why you, when you read holy books, you're like, something about it, you know, from time to time, it makes the hair stand up on your arms. You're like, ooh, there's something here. Yeah. But 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 if you, but at first glance it's just kind of nonsense. It's just kind of nonsense. It's like in the in the modern world, like people like um, people like uh, well, like you and well, me to some degree, and people like our buddy Matt, who read like you know or hear stories about Genesis, about God being created in the snake in the Garden of Eden in the in the flood, and he's just like bullshit, and and you know what I mean, like. That's somebody trying to, to tell some truth in the form of a story, and something about it is compelling, so that, it, so that so compelling that we keep that story going for thousands and thousands of years. But until you have a mystic experience, you've got no real understanding of what they're getting at. Yeah. And that shit can get out of control. Look at, look at you know, Scientology, look oh, at, sure. you know... It starts with a kernel of truth, and then it spirals in, not into nonsense. And the longer it goes on, the more nonsense is created. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't... I guess... I just don't know that I think it's nonsense. What I mean, what is nonsense? Well, well I guess... Let me be more specific. So imagine you have a, a crazy mystic experience, okay. and it's oh, like oh. experiencing the truth of God. You're convinced of it. You try to... You try to uh, tell other people about it and and these stories and analogies get, that you're using to try to get them to understand okay. those get passed on and suddenly it's like look I became God uh, in this crazy moment and then uh, a thousand years later it's like you know uh, babies when babies die they don't go to hell they go to they go to uh, pur- purgatory not purgatory yeah, yeah, what is yeah. it called where, where yeah, do babies purgatory. go no there's a special one where babies oh, go really yeah um, baby purgatory <laughs> whatever it's like <laughs> it's like all the crazy nonsense that comes out it's like 
when we die, we don't know what happens. And then a thousand years later, it's like, the good people go to this place in the sky okay, where yeah, the I streets see. are paved in gold. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It does spiral out of it control. It spirals right? out of control. Yeah. And a thousand years later, you get Scientology. You know what I mean? I, uh, yeah, I do. I think that, like the creation story, it's obviously not true. It's obviously not really how it happened. But these stories are so valuable that it doesn't matter that they're not true. They're still around for some mm. reason, mm. you know. Um, but I do, you're, I do think you're right about them spiraling. I think, you know, you just get, you get a person who decides that they're going to interpret it one way, and then I mean, it just, you know, like you said, spirals out of control, and you can't do anything about it. I mean, no. there's really nothing. The only thing you could do about it is to have your own mystic experience sure. to validate the story that you've been told. And that used to happen. And there's cultures where, for a long, long time, it was like mandatory. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna have these psychedelic experiences. You're gonna, you're gonna have these various mystical experiences. And today, it's in the Western world illegal. Yeah. It's like you're never gonna have that experience. We're gonna, sh- we're gonna continue to shove religion down your throat because it's so thoroughly ingrained in the culture. But you're never gonna be allowed to validate that experience. You're just gonna have to live in, in confusion. That's that's what's happening, man. Yeah. When did I become such a zealot for psychedelics, man? I don't know. Golly, a couple of years ago. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think that uh, psychedelics is the only way to have a mystic experience. I just want to be clear about that. Sure. But um, I've never had one, at least to that degree, uh, in in the absence of it. Um, but there's a book. Um, I think it might have been written by the by the like a U.S. Army experiment, like a report. Mm-hmm. It's called Experimental Starvation in Man. And I've been wanting to get my hands on that book because I think that w- that they were trying to obviously understand what happens when people starve, so that they would know, you know, if it ever happened to our people or if it ever happened to our armies when we were over, you know, at war and we couldn't get enough food. Like, what do you expect from the army when they get into that condition? They wanted to understand that, but the people started having mystic experiences and reporting crazy shit. Sure. And so that's, I want to know. I got to get my hands on that book. Okay. I mean, how long? How- do you know anything about it? Like how long these people were being starved? I, I told you everything I know about That's it. That's it? Um, but okay. Yeah. And, uh, never mind. I wasn't going to look up the date of that uh, book, but we'll say it for I'm another. interested in that too. So we should definitely make that an episode. I'm going to promise the audience then so that now I'm obligated to do it. I want to starve myself until I'm tripping balls. <laughs> well, you could do it. That, I mean, you can do it that way. You can also do it uh, with lack of sleep. And we talked about that, yeah. you know, even just a couple of days. I've had some experiences with that. I think I talked about it. In an early episode, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was weird. I thought I was gonna die. Yeah, because I did. I had no idea what the. I was like, why? I I felt crazy. Mm. It was weird, man. You know when my wife's fa- uh, when my father in law died, um, the day before, um, he had a rough night, and uh, my wife went to go check on him to visit him for a minute, and he said to her, "Oh, last night I was having such trouble breathing. I thought I was gonna die. There was a time where I thought I was gonna die." And then he, the next day he died. Damn. And I wonder how close was he, you know, that the, the night before. And because he was, you know, he was like telling her that like fearfully, like, you know. He wasn't exaggerating. No, he wasn't, no. Yeah. He got, and, and what's also interesting about that is he got to a point where he, he recognized I'm very close to death. That's crazy. And he knew it, you know. And I just, can you imagine? <coughs> Staring down the barrel of that gun. Staring down the barrel, man. That's crazy. I like to think that, I mean, 
it's, it's a scary situation, and anybody will be rightfully fearful in that situation. But I like to imagine you got two choices there. You either cower in fear and, and die with your eyes shut, shivering in the corner, or you, you lift your chin up, and you l- lift your eyes to heaven, and you, and you experience it. You're just like, here we go. Yeah. And I like to think that I'm, I'm going to be the latter, you know. I'm going to be one of those <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm going. Yeah. I hope for a quick death where I don't have to think about it much. Um, you know. <laughs> a quick death. Yeah, we had a slight interruption, but we're back. Um, so what I like to do, actually, uh, let me set it up this way. When we were talking to Daniel Torden, um, first of all, uh, nah, he's such a nice guy, man. Yeah, he, um, he was a very nice guy. I sent him the file uh, of our podcast. I'm like, since he has his own, I'm like, look, if you want to release this together with, with me so your audience sees it, my audience sees it, that's fine with me. So I sent him the file, and he did post it, and I didn't notice right away until uh, I saw a tweet that um, somebody mentioned it. Nice. So I I went over to his uh, his podcast and saw that it was posted, and I just clicked on it for a second, and uh, he had his intro. He did. He added an intro. Nice. And he just said some kind things about us, man. He's a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. He's a very nice guy. I have to check that out. Yeah, he was a very nice guy. A smart guy too. I enjoyed listening. You know. Yeah. That was a good one. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure he would be happy that, to talk more about that same stuff, or to come back on and talk about the Jehovah's Witness stuff. And I think that's a good idea. It might actually fit with your uh, theme about um, the lies of history. Yeah, because for it, sure. you know, that hasn't been going on too long, but. I imagine that those people, um, their thoughts are controlled uh, to a degree by like you know the strictness of the church and their beliefs. And I wonder what their understanding of like history is, especially when it comes to like their history. Yeah. You know, how do they see it? You know, because they 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 separate themselves from from everyone else. You know, uh, but but anyway, I'm getting off track. The reason I bring up Daniel is one of the things that happened when we were talking to Daniel is. He never had uh, any sort of psychedelic experience, and then he's t- he's toying with so many of these ideas, uh, like you know, pan- the pantheistic type of ideas that God that the God and the cosmos are synonymous somehow, or that um, you know, everything is one substance and that substance is God. These sorts of ideas, and um, but he never had a mystic experience to validate it in the way that I. And I told him, like, I hope he one day has one because it is such an interesting experience and powerful. Yes, it is. But how do you explain it to somebody who's never had it? And and I don't know that we were able to do a very good job when we were talking to Daniel. It's like, you're missing something. And I told him that. But trying to explain what he's missing is not easy. Yeah, no. I, it's, uh, it's impossible to explain. And I don't even think we really tried. If I remember correctly, we kind of just did just leave it at that. It's like, it's valuable. You know, um, you can't explain it. I don't think, I don't think you, you can make somebody curious maybe. Um, but I think the best, I don't know. I think maybe the best thing to do is just to be like an interesting, smart person and talk about them like frankly and, uh, you know, don't, uh, don't sensationalize them. Don't make them. Uh, I don't know. I've said it's hard not to sensationalize the. <laughs> it is. It is really hard not to sensationalize it because it's sensational. It is pretty <laughs> sensational, uh, but it, I guess sensationalize isn't what I mean. I, there's a. I, I think that you have to respect it on some level. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, to 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 get what you want out of it, 
it, it, there's a, a level of intentionality that you have to have. Uh, if you want to use it as a party thing, I think you can do that. Um, it is fun. I mean, you know, uh, but I think if you go into it looking for something like spiritual, you're much more likely to get it. I could not agree with you more. Yeah. Although I think that you can go into it not looking for it and getting it too. Yeah. I think that sometimes you get dealt that shit whether you want it or not. Yeah. It could sneak up on you with yeah. that left hook you weren't expecting and yeah. suddenly you're communing with the fucking divine. Yeah. So anyway, I one of the things I thought we, we might do to try to help people like Daniel, if you're listening, we'll give it our best. I'm going to give it my best go here. One of the things that I could do, maybe I'm uniquely positioned to do, is to talk about... A mystic experience my first one the one that was the one that was the most powerful the one that changed my perspectives dramatically the one that eventually led me to believe uh in all the kind of pandeism type stuff and calling myself god and all that sort of nonsense um this is the experience so i thought while i was on that experience while i was having it i was taking notes and it was very interesting so i've got the notes and I organize them in a little bit of a way in, in chronological order. So we're not going to go out of order. I'm just going to talk about some of the things I wrote down. And this might help. It's, it would be different if I weren't here talking about it because you kind of need to know what these things made me think. Because it, the mystic experience is completely personal. It's like reading a poem. Yep. It's going to mean something to me, mm-hmm. and it's and, it, and it's going to mean something to you. But I fucking wrote it, man. What I what it means to me is the right right way. Yeah. So I've got to be able to explain it, or maybe not. Maybe there's some. Maybe people are close enough that this is going to make the same sense to you as it did does to me. Uh, but it takes time to understand, and I changed a lot of the expressions I used, and a lot of the a lot of the my understanding continues to evolve. So some of this stuff. I would say differently today, and some of it's embarrassing, and some of it, you guys, I left out because it was too embarrassing. Um, I'm just being straight up honest with you. Yeah, um, it's a little, little too like uh, what hippie? Cring- cringy, like, cringy, like um, either what? like when I like there were some sentences that I read that I was like, oh, I think I know what where your mind was going, but you're wrong. Like I oh, okay. like I disagree with my with my interpretation today, okay. so I'm like, uh, no. How long ago was this? I'll tell you, it was uh, December of 2018, I'm pretty sure. Okay. I'm pretty sure. All right. All right, so. This uh, is the first one? The very first one. Damn. I, I wasn't wrong when I said just a few years ago, just yeah. a couple years ago. Yep. Um, well, you know, like, I, I might talk about this one day, but there are things that I could point to in a completely sober state of mind that seem to me now to be borderline mystical and people talk about this stuff like you ever been like really emotionally upset like when you were a teenager you get your heart broken or something you're very 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 sad you're sobbing and suddenly peace sort of washes over you it's like it's like maybe you've cried yourself out or something but there's this moment where it's just like you're done it does yeah you're done and that type of experience when i was young felt like the hand of God on my on my back, saying it's going to be okay, or something like metaphorical like that. It 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 seemed like a supernatural peace because I was so upset, inconsolably upset and confused. And um, there's those things, and uh, like my 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 mom told me this story uh, when she was a teenager about having a vision, 
and she she's not lying to me about it. She's telling me what happened, and I can't explain that stuff. There are things like that that I could point to and say there's some things like that that seem to be mystical. Even, like we've talked about, having an, an experience like in a, a sports arena or something or mm-hmm. watching watching football with a family where everybody erupts into simultaneous you know elation and you share that moment or you have that moment at a concert where you're all sharing that spirit there are moments like that that border on what i'm trying to describe but until you have this type of experience that we're getting ready to talk about it's like the, a shadow of the experience so i'm not saying i never had a mystic experience before this but this was the real deal okay all right. The real deal, Holyfield. Holy <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> All right. Alexander. Is that, is that his first name? Oh, Holyfield? shit. Holyfield? No, his name was not Alexander. Evander. 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 Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I was good. <laughs> all right. Shame on you. All right. Um, okay, so I'm gonna, I'm, these are all chronological. Um, I am trying my best to type on my phone while I'm having this experience. And there are moments where it's really hard. There are moments where, like, if you look at my notes, there's no punctuation. There's, like, misspellings. You're just getting it down, down, okay? There was also moments where my vision would sort of black out a little bit. It's hard to describe. It's not like I blacked out. I was still there. But there are moments where, like, my vision became, like, static. And it, it was more... It was not like staring at an old TV static. It was like, all of a sudden, I couldn't understand the symbols on my phone so it seemed like static okay and at the same time i had this weird feeling where it was like my mind was shuddering and i mentioned that to daniel when we were talking to daniel it's like this crazy moment of um there's a word for it that i'm gonna have trouble thinking of now um i can't think of the word there's this there was this moment where i had this mental shuddering i don't know what to i don't know what else to say it's like my consciousness was flicking on and off, you know? It's like so fast that you don't notice there's, a, there's anything missing. There's no time missing. But I could tell. It was like my, my mind was going, Brrr. That's the best I can do to describe to you what the hell was happening to me. All right. So I think I know what you're talking about. In between the, mi- the mind shuddering where the symbols on the phone become gibberish, I'm s- typing down these, these words, Okay. And here we go. I've broken them up into sections. The first section I'm, I'm, I'm calling all the most important insights all at once. <laughs> Too fast to write in detail. I think what I was trying to do was like you get this wave of awe. You get this wave, uh, this feeling that, this aha feeling where like suddenly you feel like you understand everything. You know, all yeah, the mysteries. Yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to get it down. Yep. So this is, this, is, <laughs> this is how it goes. The consciousness that I am is in every atom that makes up the universe. Consciousness is God looking at God. Consciousness is the universe seeking an identity. Existence is the proof of God. It is God. I am God and so is everyone and everything else. What are your thoughts? Um, What do you got to say? So this is the, the first one, huh? First one. And the this is the stuff that that you're getting hit with. This is the stuff I'm getting hit with. Yeah, it's pretty deep shit, man. You know, the people. Uh, like I said, people use uh, psychedelic substances as party drugs. You know, <laughs> it's like uh, I don't know. Just like the intentionality of it strikes me as, you know, you can you can kind of do whatever you want with these things, um, and 
I like I said, I tend to lean more towards re, you know being respectful, and I want this kind of stuff out of it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I like being shown this kind of stuff, uh, what I consider to be truths. Uh, I do wonder though, if somebody takes a psychedelic substance and they want to see a different truth, do they? Do you get the same kind of like affirmations on like? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, w- I would say no. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not um, convinced of that. I, I would say that there are that there are ideas that take a different form that are related to this stuff that you might have. Like, let's say if you had a completely different understanding of what it is to be a human being, or a completely different understanding of God than I have, you might have a different experience. Uh, maybe you're like a, an atheist and you've brushed it all off, and your experience is something of truth or beauty instead of consciousness and God. But I don't think they're different experiences. Okay. Um, I would say that to have an, a mystic experience that's somehow polar opposite to this or completely different from this I think is impossible. I, I don't think it's possible. Hmm. I'm not convinced of that. I'm not sure. Um, I think I don't have a hard time believing that somebody could take a psychedelic substance and derive something completely different than this. Y- yes, I think so. I think that, that the interpretation could be different than this, but I think the experience is not. And I, and the reason is because people say this when they have mystic experiences that it's realer than real that it's truer than true it's the it's the experience that seems to you the most irrefutable the most fundamental okay so there's no writing it off you could write off you could write off your own experience of uh, your entire experience you could write off as an illusion you cannot write this experience off as an illusion that's how different it is from an ordinary experience it's the truth no if ands or buts about it that's how i feel too when i'm in the experience that is how i feel um i feel like something is being exposed to me that i there's almost like no need to question it and i i mean i can't it's my nature to question things yeah. i can't help it yeah um but it it almost does feel like it, it, don't even it's fine you can just trust <laughs> this you know what i mean yeah. it seems so obviously real yes yes it's Self, what's the word? It's um, it's immediate truth. It's immediate reality. There's no, there's no getting around it. It's very, very weird. Yep. It does feel like a lifting of a veil to to you know. Now, so imagine you had a bad trip, mm-hmm. and it was the worst kind. The kind that they show you on TV, which I don't know if they even exist or not, but the kind that's just the walls are dripping with acid, and there's demons appearing huh. and crawling under the under the doors, and you're you're terrified, and yeah. all all that stuff's happening to you. Uh, I would say it would be likely that somebody would explain that experience in a very different way than I, what we just read uh, me say. You know. It's not at all obvious to me that if you had a crazy, scary, uh, you know, trip with demons and, and um, that, you know, negative emotions, that that's somehow telling you that you're God. But I, I think that it is. I think what it's because what happens in a situation like that is you, you find or you can find that your experience is controllable by your emotions, that your, your emotions are causing you to have that bad experience. And if you change your per- state of mind, if you change your perspective, you will change the experience. 
then you realize, oh, I'm not a, sh- a frightened little sheep uh, in the corner hiding from all of this horror. I'm controlling the horror. I'm controlling the experience. What the hell am I that I can control my own experience? I must be God. It, it, you, the, situa- the situation always comes back to it. Yeah. And you know, I could be reading into that like in a, in a ridiculous way, but that's how I imagine that going. Why do you think that there are so many people who take psychedelic drugs who don't necessarily come to that conclusion? You think that they're just not approaching it in the appropriate way? Um, I think that it is possible and maybe even likely that you have a psychedelic experience and it's not mystical. I'm not saying every time you do psychedelics, you're going to have a mystical experience. I wish that were the case. I, yeah, I can attest to that. That's for sure the truth. I wish that Sometimes were the case. Sometimes it's fun as hell, but it's not mystical. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There's, so I think that there's probably people who are in the wrong frame of mind, the wrong set and setting. They have the wrong intentions, and they're, mm-hmm. and they're never going to have that experience under those circumstances. I can tell you that most of the time when I don't achieve that mystic experience state, it's because of myself. It's because I'm afraid, uh, you know, yep. because, you know, sometimes it's fun as hell and not mystic, but sometimes it's like on the verge of being scary oh, and God. not mystic God, either. Yes. You know? Oh, yes. Um, which is weird because it's like... I don't know. Maybe maybe they are kind of mystic still because I don't understand why I would be so afraid, uh, which sometimes I am. Sometimes it's pretty scary. Oh, I completely 100% agree with you. It's but, terrifying. But it's not. You're not going to die. You're going to no, be fine. No, And You're going to come out of it better. And I know that, and I'm still terrified. Yep. There's certain things that you and I both know what I'm t- talking about that if I ever sit down and decide to do it, my palms get sweaty. I, sometimes I tremble a little, like I uncontrollably tremble, like, like, like my adrenaline is pumping, like, yeah. like I'm having a, rea- a physical reaction to the idea of Fuck maybe yeah. going into this state, yep. and I still do it, you know, I still want to do it. Yeah, it's very weird. It is weird. I've been to yeah I, I don't know i'm just like touching back on the times when i don't experience it it's because i'm afraid and i don't do i like you know pussyfoot around mm-hmm. and i you know yep just being a bitch yes being a bitch i need to find thor within myself you, exactly you know? I mean, you gotta have courage you gotta have yeah. courage it's such it's so important how something like a psychedelic can teach you that lesson yeah because it's the same lesson that you should learn if you're getting bullied as a kid yeah. but you could learn that lesson by taking dmt you know what i mean yeah dude it's weird it's weird. Yeah, it's um, weird. All right, so you were talking about how a lot of these psychedelics are. Oh, you know what? Before I move on to that, I wanted to say that I do think there are people who do do psychedelics and don't have mystic experience because of set and setting and intention. I also think it happens because of dosage, which is what you just brought up. Sometimes you puss out and you don't take enough. I think that's that's a problem. The other thing is, it, I think there might be everybody's physiologically different, and you and I can. Could sure. attest to that. Our experiences Absolutely. are, uh, you know, of, of substances are different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think some some people might actually find it easier, and some people might find it much more difficult to have a mystic experience. And it's part of their brain chemistry and the structure of their, you know, nervous system. Like I think it's biological for some people. That it's just there's differences, and right. I, it could be that I'm that I'm one of those people that has an easier time. I don't know. I don't know. Yep. So it doesn't feel that way because I struggle. Yeah. Um, I think on some level you do just kind of have to go for it. Uh, you know, you gotta just dive in there and, um, 
I kind of think that the more you do it, the more comfortable you become with it. Um, but I also don't want to overdo it either. I don't want to be like one of these people who's doing this stuff all the time. Right. Although I do think, I, I do think I'm going to have a few uh, experiences this year. <laughs> I think that's going to be a part of this uh, experiment. That's. I'm looking forward to it. That's yeah, awesome. Man. I want. I want you to report back your findings. I will. <laughs> <laughs> do you, sorry. So we were talking earlier about the possibility that you do a psychedelic and you are trying to have a, a fun time at, at a party or something, yeah. not taking it too seriously. And you might just get a sucker punch of mystic experience without expecting it. And I just had this image play out of my mind of just like a teenager at a party. Um, you know, it was like red plastic solo cups and just people blacked out and somebody puking and like, you know, keg stands and all that stuff and just music. And this is the scene. Reminds me of Columbus. And you're, and you're walking through that apartment, you know, and all of a sudden... The consciousness that I am is in every atom that makes up the universe. <laughs> That's the idea that's popping in your head. And you're, you. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Okay. It seems so, out of place. It does. Maybe but, not, though. But I think this, this here, all of the stuff that I said in this opening piece, uh, to me, is um, it's just the, it's the one with the universe feeling, and it's that pandeistic notion that's coming through. And it becomes very blasphemous. Um, I am God, and, and so is everyone and everything else. Um, but, but the idea that existence is the proof of God. So, like, there's this idea, there's this conflict in my head um, that goes back to probably, like, teenage years about uh, wondering whether God is, exists or not and, and thinking about it seriously. And this is the answer to that. It says existence is the proof of God. It's like once you know that consciousness, the thing that you are, is also God, then everything that you experience is is God. Mm -hmm. So existence is the proof of God. So I'm telling myself there's no, not an argument anymore. You no longer have to consider the arguments for and against the existence of God. You don't have to be a philosopher, you dumb fuck. Open up your eyes and look at God. That's what I was trying to tell myself. Yeah. So there's the answer. You don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, I, I don't know when... It switched for me, and I would, I guess I would just phrase it a different way, but I don't know when the old argument of uh, it exists, so there must be a creator, um, which, you know, again, I wouldn't necessarily phrase it that way, but I don't know when that became a convincing argument because it is for me. At, at you know, like you said, it exists, it's here, um, you know. Yeah. It, I don't know when that switched for me and that became a convincing argument, but it is. It, I, it, it I buy is. into it. It is. And you know what's weird? You know that book Daniel told us about God's Debris? Yes. Um, Scott Adams, the guy that wrote that book, is that his name? Scott? Anyway, um, he makes that same argument in the book um, in a really interesting way. He says, so the idea is like, because existence is here, because reality is a thing, that, that means God exists. The fact that there's something instead of nothing means God exists. That's basically the argument. Mm -hmm. And Scott Adams in the book, he says, he describes God as... Uh, oh, that's right. I forgot Scott Adams wrote that book. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, that's okay. You. No, no, uh, He describes, that, he describes um, God as, or at least part of God, as probability. Okay. And uh, I'm, losing, I'm losing my thread. Where, where, where are we going with this? What, was, what were we talking about? I forget. Oh, Jesus. The, oh, oh the, about about the the idea that because things exist that oh, yeah. that that means there must be a, a god. Um, he he basically just said like with enough time, 
the laws of probability say that, you know, existence will emerge. So if you have a, you know, cosmos, even if it's, you know, an empty one and there's nothing, that because of probability, it's such that with enough time, um, you know, all of the, well, I don't know, I don't even know how to explain this, all of the physical laws that that are, let's say, constantly transforming, that they will eventually meet the, they'll, they'll meet the right um, pattern to allow for existence. With enough time, it's just like, you know, uh, like, a, like a random number generator. It's like, you know, it pops, a number pops up and that's the wrong number for, for existence. Mm-hmm. And it kind of happens again and again and again and again and again. With enough flips of that coin, eventually Shakespeare's plays get typed by monkeys. Eventually, with enough flips, the conditions of, of, of the, the physical laws are such that existence happens. Um, and there are people that look at that explanation as a mechanical one. And they say, well, that just means that God doesn't exist. But Scott Adams' argument in the book is exactly the opposite. It's really interesting. That sounds interesting. We're going to do an episode on God's debris, so I don't want to take too much of them of that don't thunder away. the lead, yeah. All right. All right, next section. The next section I call the concept of nothingness. So this is another epiphany. Sounds like a Simon and Garfunkel song. <laughs> the concept of nothingness. The sound of silence. <laughs> All right, let me read these uh, quotes here. There is no difference between something and nothing. Nothing doesn't exist, never has. No Big Bang, no moment of creation. The moment is eternal and is the stage on which the universe plays out. Past, present, and future in the moment. Everything is in nothing and nothing is everything. Nothing matters and everything matters. What do you think of that nonsense, Kyle? Um, I understand it completely. Uh, <laughs> I, do, I, I agree. I mean, everything is nothing. Nothing is everything. It is. It sounds like gibberish. It, it does. You have to know. It's like uh, you kind of have to be like like we've been talking about the whole time. You just kind of have to jump in. Exactly. If you were a 10 year old who is just l- learning to read well enough that you could read that sentence, no problem. There is no difference between something and nothing. That 10 year old kid is going, you are out of your mind. You know, something and nothing are opposites. There, everything is you know everything is different between them. Not nothing. Everything is different between them. Yeah. Um, but when you've had a mystic experience, that sentence doesn't read that way at all. Uh, you know, it's hard to explain, but it makes perfect sense. It is really hard to explain. It's like uh, there's got to be somebody out there who can explain it well, better. You, you could say stuff like this. You could say when you look at matter on the on the smallest scales. It's almost completely empty space. It's almost nothing. You know what I mean? Yep. Like the space between the electrons that have no mass and which basically don't exist physically, and the uh, and the the nucleus of the of the atom that where the uh, where the ma- mass actually is, the space between them is is it's like a it's like a cosmos of emptiness between those those things. And when you zoom out to the the furthest scales and the space between stars, the interstellar space. It, it, it's almost it, the, the cosmos is almost completely empty. It's almost it's almost completely nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you can look at you can look at things like that. You know, and scientists will say things like, um, you know, like on the quantum level, the idea of like um, <coughs> material, this hard material that you know, I'm touching the desk. I can't 
push my fingers through, right? It, and I can't do that. According to quantum physics, you can. Not, <laughs> not, only, not only can you, our atoms are, atoms are quantum tunneling and quantum leaping through this right now all the time because it's basically nothing, you know? Um, and then there's the idea of the Big Bang. Like, you know, everything was con condensed down. <coughs> when I say everything, I mean, I don't really know what I mean. I mean potential because it, because people will say it's like all of the matter and energy and, and, and everything that exists condensed down into one little pinprick. But it wasn't matter and energy when it was a pinprick. It, it, was, it was potential. It was the potential for everything. And it was condensed down to this one little dot. And it was basically nothing. And when the Big Bang occurred, it became everything. Yeah. You know, so there's ways of, of, of looking at that that, you know, that can make some sense, you know, on the surface level. But... There is no difference between something and nothing is very, very confusing and also very mystical. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it, I just like want to kind of nail down why does nothing matter? Like it, that sounds super negative, but I know that it's not. Well, it, it, there's something that comes to my mind, which is really hard to explain also. But when you say something and nothing, mm -hmm. you might also say being and non-being. And, and that that's easier for me to talk about okay because being is is the world around us it's you and i and everything around us it's something yeah non-being is is sort of like saying nothing but here's the difference i describe god as non-being and what i mean by that is god is some kind of being but it's not material reality it's not this kind of being it's some other kind of being we're just going to call it non-being that doesn't mean it's nothing even though it does mean that it's not physically here and now, but it's not nothing. So what I, what I mean here is that what I say in the second sentence, nothing doesn't exist. There's no such thing as nothing. So when I say there's no difference between something and nothing, and then I say nothing doesn't exist, what, what I'm getting at is that nothing is like a, it's, it's kind of like a concept, but that has no reality. There is no such thing as nothing. And I understand that today to mean that consciousness is always is is the only thing that exists. It, it is existence. You can't get rid of consciousness. Even if you get rid of matter and energy and you take everything out of out of the cosmos, you still have consciousness. So there is no there's, there's never nothing. You know, there's never nothing. There's al there's always consciousness. You can't get rid of it. So there's that level of understanding. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I'm still like kind of hung up on the non-being thing. I just don't like. Yeah, hit me. It's uh, I almost feel like what I'm connecting it to is how you were talking about potential. Mm -hmm. Um. Yep. I just kind of interpret non-being as things that aren't existing now that can exist. You know, like um. I think you got it. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Okay. You could, instead of saying something and nothing, let's say actual and potential. Okay. So the actual are things that are actualized, the things that are actually here. All and, right. And nothing is the potential. It's the things that might be, that could be. Okay. Is that, does that is that frame better? No, yeah, I like that. Yeah. That, well, I don't know that it's better, but it makes me grasp it a little well, bit it, more. But it does it does help you to understand how nothing is actually something. Yeah, it's potential. Nothing is potential. Yeah. Exactly. And that and you might think that that's less than something. You might think that a potential something is less than a real something. Like um, one bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Mm -hmm. You might you might think that. Yeah. But the thing is. Potential is God. Yeah, that's but, where 
all of it comes from. That's where Everything all that, of it comes from. If if it's be, if something that exists is better than something that doesn't exist yet, well, that thing that exists didn't exist. Uh, you know, if, if you, you go back far enough, it used to be potential. Yeah, exactly. So potential is the font. It's where everything comes from. And that's what we're calling nothing. And that's the, that's the biggest disconnect, man. That's the biggest disconnect in, in ordinary people's minds and people who've had mystic experiences' minds. Because ordinary people can't understand what... what they can't really understand what you and I just kind of got to. Okay. That the idea of nothing is actually everything. Yeah. And when you have a mystic experience, you feel that. It's not like it's not like a spirit is whispering in my ear when I'm having this experience. <laughs> There's no difference between something and nothing. You just feel it. Yeah. You, you feel the truth of this thing that I'm that I'm able to write down. That's a weird thing to say, and that's something that somebody who hasn't had the experience cannot understand. Yeah, it is weird the way that the information is imparted to you in these experiences. It's a good way of putting it. Yeah. It's it's like. Um, yeah, it's not like something is talking to you. Although I've heard people have the, had that experience where something is talking to them. Yeah. Um, uh, it's never been that for me, though. It's like a sense. It's like um, I almost imagine like it seems like something from the Bible. Like you, you like look on the uh, like the Holy Grail, and you like you like the truth is just mm. made apparent to you. You know. So funny you say that because I said the same exact thing. I don't know if it's a podcast that's aired already or one that's coming up. But I said that same thing. I, I said, um, oh, I'm losing my losing my thread. Say it again. You said, oh, uh, that it's just like, like it seems magical. Like you you set your eyes on some kind of like holy talisman, and you're just like m- the truth is like made apparent. Oh to oh you. oh yeah yeah. It's the word revelation. Oh yeah, that's a good because yep. because that's the word I would use to describe how the information is revealed. I just use the word revealed. How that information is imparted in a mystic experience. It's not as though somebody is whispering information to you. It's as, it's, it's as though you feel the truth. And that's that word revelation comes to mind. Yeah. You know what that makes me think of for some reason? What? Like just you talking about it there makes me think of like Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Joe, Joe Rogan used to say that in the old days that um, maybe, maybe consciousness, that consciousness is like a receiver, yeah. Like, well, human beings are like a receiver for consciousness, and we're picking up the signal. You know, like biology picks up mm-hmm. the signal. That's an interesting. It's an interesting. But then you have to ask, where's the signal coming from? And then you could say it's either coming from God or the signal is the cosmos. And we're still having a, the same conversation about pandeism. Pretty yeah, pretty much. All right. So what 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 else we got here? Um, also, there's another thing I want to say about this something and nothing, and it's a uh, an interesting visual, and people can try to uh, maybe think about it this way. If you are painting, um, you know, let's say you're painting on a canvas and you're, you're putting the colors down on the canvas, um, red, green, blue, all that, and you just keep layering it, layering it, and layering it, after long enough of mixing all the different colors, what you end up with is black. You just got black oh, paint. Yeah, yeah. And so you could look at that black and you could say there's no color there. Right? There's no color there. But in reality, every color is there. So you, what you would say is you've got no, no color. I have nothing. But what nothing is made of is all the colors. Nothing is made of everything. And that's what I'm trying to say when I say something and nothing are the same thing. Yeah. God is the nothing. There's got to be some shit like that in the Bible. You know, <laughs> like uh, 
that sounds like something that God would say in the Bible. I am everything and nothing. Yeah. That sounds I am, I am the Alpha and Omega, yeah. beginning and the end. Yeah. Uh, okay, interesting. There's also this focus. Uh, you see how I put moment in, in parentheses? I did that even when I was in my um, psychedelic state of mind. Yeah. Because so, I wanted to point out that... that- what, when I said moment, I didn't mean moment. I mean something else. No periods or commas or anything. But I put, I put the quotation marks in. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah. So, something about time. There's a very weird... Because, you know, I say past, present, and future in the moment. Mm-hmm. What I mean is that there's, there's only now, you know? Yeah. That the moment now is all that exists. That there is no past or future. Because when you have a mystic experience, time is a weird you don't experience time or you don't and you don't understand it the way you do when you're not in it's that very state. slippery um just a random thought that popped into my head yeah uh, i was impressed with mr torridan's um knowledge of the bible like being able to give you verses like yeah. off the top. yeah that was impressive yeah, that me. is impressive I, I i admired that yeah and there are people well like in the middle ages where like people had the whole bible memorized but today like today there are people uh, in the Middle East that have the Quran memorized. And I'm not, I'm not talking about imams. I'm talking about regular people have yeah. the whole Quran memorized. That's crazy. It's crazy. But it's also possible. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's a very impressive. All right, moving on from the concept of nothingness to... Um, oh, this one's called Into My Quest for the Original Source, Truth of God. Okay, so I'll explain what I mean by that. There's only two two sentences. Here it goes. There is no secret knowledge, no difference in the wisdom of the ancients. The truth is obvious and all around us all the time. We are the chaos. The chaos is reality. Consciousness brings from the chaos the universe. <laughs> what, do you, what do you have to say before I start jabbing? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do, I like the idea that there is no secret knowledge because uh, it's weird because I I do have like um, an attraction to secret knowledge mm-hmm. you know like I want to know me the secret too knowledge. everyone does we want to we want to know about Bigfoot and aliens yeah, dude <laughs> uh, and uh, there's like I like thinking that there is no secret knowledge that I can just tap into the truth you know um, yep but I do wish that it would give me some Bigfoot stuff you know <laughs> yep, that would yep. be very satisfying. Uh, maybe Loch Ness monster. Mm. Be pretty oh yeah, sweet. would be. Would be. <laughs> so, you got anything else on that before I jump? Uh, in? No difference uh, in the wisdom of the ancients. The truth is obvious around us all the time. Um, no difference in the wisdom of the ancients. What do you mean by that? Like, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> you remember how uh, I said uh, when I was explaining my interest in religion? I said I always thought that if I could only get back to the earliest ideas about God that I would know the truth because the longer that the longer that the uh, truth or, or you know the original religion let's say the longer it plays that grapevine game down the history down the, the eons you know the more confused it gets I wanted to get back to the original insight to the original message I wanted to figure out what God was to the earliest people how it was understood then because that to me that always seemed like the truth the furthest back in time I could go, I would get closer and closer to the truth, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I was always trying to get back. That's why I have cave paintings on the yeah, walls absolutely. that are 30,000 years old. So um, so I thought that, I always thought that. And when I had the mystic experience, I told myself, no. I said, no, it's not 
the first part, there is no secret knowledge. That's gnosis, you know? It's like there is no gnosis. And I always thought that, like, if I was a seeker of, of wisdom, that I could be like the, the, the ancient philosophers, that I could be one of these people that, you know, like... Um, Plato went to Egypt and studied with the priests and learned their religion, you know, the secret knowledge. I thought if I could do that, if I could read all the great works of philosophy and I could read all the ancient holy texts, that I could be one of these elites that does the work and finds the treasure. Mm-hmm. And that was where I was looking for it, you know, and the treasure was God. That's what I was seeking. And I had this idea that I could do that, like Indiana fucking Jones. Oh, yeah. That's exactly and, what I was thinking. <laughs> and, and it's no it's no coincidence that Indiana Jones was popular when we were kids. But anyway, uh, young, you know, like five years old. Um, when I say there's no difference in the wisdom of the ancients, that's like me saying you don't have to go back in time to find the truth. Yeah. In fact, you can't because, you know, history doesn't go back that far. Like, stop struggling, you know, against, you know, impossible impossibility. Stop doing that. Um, and then I say the truth is obvious and all around us all the time. It's like you don't have to look back in time and search through Hell the tomes yeah. to find the secret knowledge. L- open up your eyes and look at God. That's yeah. what you're seeking. It's all around you all the time, you nitwit. I like that. And that's what came through in the, in the mystic experience. And that was the end to my quest for the original source of truth. That I, that's been like the way that I've identified myself. Like that's the spirit of Chris. And it has been since I was like a kid. Yeah. You know, and that ended in December of 2018. That's crazy. You know, what did you move? What is what is the metamorphosis? What how, the, it, when you came out of that cocoon? What did you come out as? This crazy hippie, I am God guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's how you would describe it. <laughs> yeah, I guess. All right. And you can tell I was reading Jordan Peterson at the time because I said we are the chaos. Yeah. And so you know, you know how we were talking about something and nothing, being and non-being, these opposites. Yeah. Jordan says chaos and order. That, that's his actual and potential. That's his dichotomy. He uses that chaos and order. And I always, at least in the early days, I thought chaos was the God part and order was the being part. And I have a different understanding of that now. But when I, when I wrote this, I thought chaos was God. So I said, and by that I meant that potential, that, that font of potential where, where everything comes from. So I say, we are the chaos. I, I was saying, the world is God. Cosmos is God. And then I say the chaos is reality, which is another way of saying the same thing. And then I say consciousness brings from the chaos the universe, and which, is, which is basically saying God brings himself into being. Yeah. That's, well, I don't know. That's it, man. <laughs> That's it. All right. All right. Next section is called Proof of God, the Obvious and the Ignored. And this, we talked about this with Daniel, but it goes like this. Reality is God's dream. We are God's dream. Consciousness is the sacred thing. Awareness of our existence is recognizing the thing that God is. If I am God looking out through my eyes, I am aware of my existence, my consciousness, and therefore the existence of God. So my favorite part of this, well, actually, consciousness is the sacred thing is one of, is beautiful. I, I love that. But my favorite part of this is awareness of our existence is recognizing the thing that God is. So being aware of our existence, being aware of our awareness, that's what, something we call self-consciousness. That is recognizing the thing that God is. God is the thing, the thing 
the only thing that exists, the thing that in which we can be aware. We can be aware of only the thing that exists. It's one thing. It's the thing we call God. And that's something that we experience as consciousness. Okay. So, so that's me saying, you know, the same, the same thing basically, but in a different way. Yeah. Um, and then the stuff about God's dream to me comes through like, uh, like it's something dreamlike, like the cosmos is something dreamlike. What I mean is the world that we exist in in our dreams that seems real is is really intangible. It's really, you know, flashes of, elect- of electrical impulses in our brain and chemicals and, and stuff going on in our subconscious. It's not real like this is real. Sure. But this reality is God's dream. So it's something happening in psyche. It's something happening in consciousness. So even the things that we think of as real and material and here and now, this is happening in a psychic way it's not happening in a, in a material way that like we think it is like it seems to be if that makes sense it's a matrix kind of a thing okay. but it's specific to consciousness that's why I said dream it's like a it's like a psychic reality whatever that means I'm not sure what I'm even saying right now it's very hard to understand <laughs> um, especially like we've been talking about if you don't have any experience of it uh, I mean I do have experience of it and it's still like you know it's hard to wrap your head around Imagine you have a dream that's vivid, that seems real. Mm-hmm. Almost everyone can say yeah, that, sure. an example of that. Now imagine the existence that you're in right now is exactly that happening in God's mind. That's what I'm trying to say. Something like that. Yeah, you I know? mean, I, I get that's what you're trying to say, but I don't, I mean, it's just... And even the idea that when you're in one of those dreams, it feels real and you don't know that it's not real, even that isn't part of it. It's important. It's like reality is not what you think it is and you should know that because when you dream and you believe that 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 that's real you're you're it, you're under an illusion yeah it's like there's something about reality that's not what it seems to be yep absolutely and that's a very matrixy kind of thing to say yeah um it, is it matrixy in that there's uh like different realities it's matrixy in the fact that there is, yeah, different realities. There is some sort of intentional illusion, you know? Uh, and you don't know about it until you step out of it. And that's what the mystic experience does. It, it, you know, it's like unplugging from the matrix, for lack of a better word. So when you step out of the matrix in the movie, you enter a world that is like nightmarish you know yeah like but you're free you know you're not you're not a battery anymore but yeah. it's like a nightmarish world yep what's it like coming out of in the in, in this scenario when you realize that what you're seeing is not necessarily the truth well in this experience it was not nightmarish it was oh, i want to say orgasmic but it's not sexual um There were moments during this this experience that were, man, hard to explain. Imagine like you, you ever work on a problem, a really hard problem for a really long time, and finally you break it. Finally you you get you you, you know you break through it. Yeah. You have that feeling that Zelda, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you have that feeling of like accomplishment and. Uh, you know, like it justifies all the effort and all that sort of thing. There's, a, it's a very good feeling. Um, it's like that. There are moments. There are moments that are like that. It's like a aha moment 
an enlightenment where everything makes sense and everything is expanded and broadened. Your understanding is broadened so much more than it generally is and everything makes sense in a way because it's like you're seeing more and then, then you understand. It's like everything that seemed confusing all oh, makes perfect sense now because you have that, because now you see that bigger picture um, and I'm not doing a great job of explaining it because how it feels is orgasmic. How it feels is so good and it's not sexual. It's like, uh, it's like the most, uh, you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And it's brief. Even, even in the psychedelic mystic experience, it comes and goes. It, it flutters and flashes, you know, ebbs and flows. And that also seems important. Yeah. Like, like symbolically. Yes. That it's, uh, like consciousness ebbs and flows. You know, like, um, man, there's just no way of talking about this without sounding, without sounding hippy dippy. Yeah, it's hard. Anything else on this before we? No, we can move on to, uh, I love, I'm loving the, uh, the subtitles of these. <laughs> well, you know, I try to organize them and yeah. this, this is, seems to be a good way of doing it. I don't know. So this one's short. It's just called the nature of God. Chaos is the infinite possibilities of God. Consciousness cannot die, cannot be born either. Consciousness is eternal, the only eternal. That's it. So you remember earlier when I said there was no moment of creation, there was no Big Bang? Um, yeah. That was, that was an interesting insight because the Big Bang for me has always been kind of an important fact, an important religious fact, actually. Because the idea that the, that the cosmos had a beginning implies a creation and that implies a creator and it was always really compelling to me that that argument was always really compelling to me but when I said there was no big bang it was like that mystic experience made me think about God differently I, had, I, I, thought, I thought about God as eternal in a way that I hadn't before in a way that basically makes the idea of a beginning impossible so some people have this idea of like a cyclical um you know, a cyclical eternity, or like a, that the cosmos has many big bangs, that it expands and contracts, it expands and contracts, and each time it expands, it's a big bang. Yeah. That kind of a thing. That, you know, there wasn't a beginning. And so that came through, and it kind of rocked my, rocked my foundations a little bit. I love that, that there, it, there's no beginning, that it's just always... Yes. You know, that's, that's trippy as hell. It man. is trippy as hell. Um, but that's but that's the same thing I said here when I said consciousness cannot die, yeah. cannot be born either, and and that that's also something you see in in uh, in physics because energy can't be created or destroyed, only changing from one form to another. And I say consciousness cannot die or be born either. Yeah. You know, um, I think it's funny that like a lot of people. If you know, the, like these hard scientific materialist types, if you're like this, this rock has a spiritual energy. Yeah, they'd yeah. be like, "You are fucking retarded." Yeah, yeah. But if you said that the rock had like energy, like you know, like scientific, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not good with science, but you know, there's a bunch of different kinds of energy. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure rocks can have them at certain points. If you said this rock has this kind of energy, it's like, it's fine. Yeah. It, you know. What and what it does? I mean, it's like on a molecular level. There's yeah. there, even in a rock. There's electrons spinning exactly. off, and you know all this activity is happening in, in the rock. 
um, it absolutely has some sort of energy, you know? Yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I'm not opposed to the spiritual tag. You know, it doesn't bother me as much as it used to. Um, it, it bothered me when you said it. When you yeah, said this really? rock has spiritual energy, I'm thinking about crystals. I'm rolling my eyes. Yeah, yeah. But it's the, but you know what? It's just a it's just a different way of talking about something. You know, you could you could talk about it in a scientific way, like like we just did. And yeah, it's interesting. It is interesting. Everything's a model, man. Everything is a con- ideas. They're conceptual models that we're constantly tweaking and changing. Yeah, that's what that's kind of the the whole thing about Jordan Peterson's maps of meaning. It, you know, it wasn't about words necessarily but but every but it, that me, meaning is like that you know it's, kind of, it's just transforming it's really interesting yep uh okay next section is called the nature of time here we go and we're almost done here all things are happening right now there is only this moment this moment is all there is each moment is everything happening all at once every now makes no difference a moment contains everything and is no different from any other moment. Time is the stage in which the incarnation of the divine becomes known to itself. Time is needed for us to have our moment in the infinite stream of moments that is existence. I am God in this moment and so are you. Existence is one moment happening in an infinite number of minds. Existence is one moment happening in an infinite number of minds. What do you think, man? Um, I think that there's like some kind of obvious truth in that, uh, in not even like a hippie kind of a way, but just like that existence is one moment happening in an infinite number of minds. Like, I mean, what is existence then other than like, Experience? Reality being, yeah, experienced in, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess experience is just the best word for it. So that, well, I don't know that there's a difference between the word experience and the word consciousness. I don't, I, I don't know that there's a difference actually. Um, where was it going with that? Mm, I don't remember, man. I lost my thread. What were you saying? Um, I was just saying that what is oh happening in an infinite number of minds. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Where my mind goes there is like, first of all, you're right that it's it's common sense. You know, the idea is not necessarily a mystical one, yeah. but the fact that it seems relevant and mystical in the experience is interesting. Yeah. Um, but it all it also goes beyond the surface understanding of like, look, everybody that's awake right now is having a conscious experience, and the accumulation of those conscious experiences. You know, you might say that's like God's experience of God or something like that. Um, but, but it's more than that. It's the people who are dead. You know, they they once had their moment. Is that gone? Um, because what we're talking about is time, and time is sort of irrelevant you know, to consciousness. There is no beginning or end. Time is irrelevant. Yeah. So the fact that somebody long dead ha- once had its conscious moment. The fact that they're long dead doesn't really matter. Those conscious moments exist just like the one we're having right now. Mm-hmm. In aggregate, we have to consider all of the moments, living and dead, and we have to consider the experience, the moments of everything. Not just you, but all the cells in your body. Not Absolutely. just them, but the, the, but the molecules, and not just them, but the atoms, and not just them, but the subatomic particles, and all of the experiences that they're having. 
and not just yours, but everyone's. And all the matter, the rocks that we talked about, Absolutely. you know, all of it. That's what I mean when I'm trying to put, when I'm trying to implant this idea of consciousness with a capital C, God consciousness. That's the, what I'm trying to get at. And it's fucking hard. It's hard to wrap your, your head around, man. Yep. I don't, it's a, uh, it's definitely a task because it, it, things get confusing really quick. I mean, as we've seen in this, uh, this podcast, but we, I feel like we've done a good job of like ironing things out. I won't know until I go back and listen to it. But <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> let me, let me read this last, uh, this last section. It's called what now, what now who's next. All right. This is the last, the last two quotes from my mystic experience go like this. This exists because I exist. Existence justifies itself. The purpose of life is to live. That is all there is. Enjoy the moment for what it is for you. Enjoy your manifestation. Love life. Live, laugh, love. <laughs> laugh, love. Uh, seize the day. Carpe diem. Yes, now, sir. So the first bit, this exists because I exist, that, that's very, very mystical and I like it. When I say this exists, I mean everything. Yeah. Because I exist, I mean because of consciousness. It's almost, um, I think, therefore, I am-ish. Ooh, it is. It is. I like it. Uh, and then existence justifies itself. That, that to me, seems to be a response to people that say, um, you know, the, that the, the world is a hellscape and it would be better off destroyed, you know, that, that kind of thing. Uh, the people that say life needs justification because we're, we're like human, human life specifically, because we're doing nothing but harm. Like we need to justify our existence because we're polluting the world and because we're, you know, causing pain and, and you know, we're a net, we're a net negative to, to everything. Those kind of people that say that, I say existence justifies itself, you know, which, which seems to mean something like, seems to mean something like, it's hard to explain, God is all there is and that God makes himself manifest. And that justifies itself because that, because that gives God being, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to make any sense of it. it existence allows God to be God. That's, that's what all I'm saying. Okay. And, you know, and without it, without existence, God isn't God. That's another mind boggler. And I believe that without existence, God isn't God. God doesn't exist. God and being are opposites. They're two halves of the same thing in my mind. That's, that's what I believe today. And if you take away the being part, you don't have anything. If you take away the God part, you don't have anything. You need both. You need being and God. Inseparable. Inseparable. All right. Cool. So that's that. Um, so here's my question. All right. Do you think, having read through my poetic you know, description of this mystic experience... And having the benefit of like talking about what I thought it meant and how it made sense to me, do you think that like a, a person who never had a mystic experience listening to this, that that helped them to get closer to understanding what it is like and what it means and why? It depends on the person um, because... Call your mom, ask her. <laughs> I think there's a type of person who is intrigued by mysteries um, and... I, I think that 
I think that that's a human thing, you mm. know. Uh, but I think that some people lean into it more, uh, and I think that more people should. Um, See, sorry to interrupt you, but you said you think people are intrigued by mysteries, and I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that's an instinct towards God. It's an instinct that leads you to a mystic experience. Sure. Just be just be having an interest in mysteries, just mysteries of any kind, drawing you in and pull and alluring you. It's it's taking you someplace. And Carl Jung called that circumambulation, that one interest takes you to another, takes you to another, and that you're spiraling, spiraling closer and closer to this thing that you're seeking for. And what that thing is, is yourself. And what that means is God. Sorry. What were you okay. saying? Um, I don't really remember. Shit. No, I don't think you, I think, what was I saying? Do you remember at all? It, well, it was inspiring because it got me going. Oh, but. yeah, that we're, in, that we're, um... We're inspired by mysteries, you know, yes, like yes. it's uh, a mystery drives us to, to start turning over stones to try to uh, start trying to figure things out. Um, and I think that some people, like I said, are more open to that. Some people are more interested in mysteries than others. And if you listen to the stuff that we said in this episode, it's very enigmatic. It's very mysterious. Mm. Um, but I think that. If you listen to people talk about enough of it, you can tell that they're not... It's like you said with your mom, with that uh, that vision. We're not lying. You know, I'm not lying to you about this experience no. that I had. Maybe you think it means nothing, and I'm reading way too much into it, but I'm not lying to you about this experience that I had. I mm. very honestly had this crazy experience. Mm. Um, so You know, I, I think that pe- people who don't do psychedelics would be... Uh, oftentimes apt to say that I'm reading into it. Yeah. But I also think people who do psychedelics, especially people who do them like a lot, but haven't had a mystical experience, those are the people that are the most judgmental. Those are the people that are like, listen, man, I've had visions before. You know, you're reading, you're totally reading into this. Yeah. Because they never broke through. They saw glimpses of it. They think they understand, but they don't. You know? Thank you, no. You have no you idea. have no idea. True Life, the story of tripping. Remember that show? Yeah. True Life? Yeah. It's a good one, man. MTV used to be okay. Yeah, MTV did used to be okay. Um, so I got something on my Bluetooth, but what, did you want to go a different direction with the end of this podcast? Um, what do you got on your Bluetooth? What you sent me. Oh, okay. I thought I thought you had something to play. Oh, I did, but I, but I have to go back and find it, so I'm just going to okay. save it for later. So... Um, no, I'm just going to talk about a couple things and then we'll play that video right. and we can talk about that. Um, I just wanted to touch on, you know, like the uh, the order and the chaos, that kind of thing. One thing that I've already noticed in um, looking at the Norse myths is that you've got Odin, who honestly in Norse mythology, Odin is not like, I wouldn't call Odin order. Um, he's kind of chaotic himself. Yeah. They, they all are, you yeah. know. Um, but I would call Odin more order than Loki. Uh, Loki is definitely chaos, you know? Um, and I think that this, the idea that those two things are the same, that they're bound together is shown in the Norse mythology by, uh, Odin takes an oath that he will never drink unless Loki is served as well. Mm, I like it. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? You know what it reminds me of? What? Jordan Peterson pointed out in, um, Sleeping Beauty. When the baby is born, the parents invite the whole kingdom to come, but oh. but she does. She, they specifically don't invite the wicked witch, 
because they don't want to bring the wickedness into their to their daughter. They don't want to bring expose her to the to the evil side. So they intentionally don't invite the wicked witch, and that's why she um, or the wicked queen, whatever, whatever, and that's why she ends up doing what she does um, uh, to Sleeping Beauty. Uh, but it was in the story, it was the parents trying to protect their their innocent baby from being exposed to the evil side of of herself, the evil side of the world. Um, so they so they don't invite her. And uh, anyway, that it just it just seems like a similar type of a story. Yeah, that is cool. Um, okay, you got to give the chaos a little little drink. Yeah, you know it's the only way order can drink. I love it. I love it, man. Um, and another thing that I thought was, um, it just seemed to convey this idea that um, I don't know everything. Everything is. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like infinite, you know. Like I don't know. I it's hard to. That's not. That's not a good. But basically, uh, so you know, th- there's Thor's hammer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thor got that. The gods got that uh, in a gift from I think it was trolls who who they were like troll made items. Interesting. Um, it was Thor's hammer, a pig that grew golden like peach fuzz you know pig it had golden hairs (laughs) that grew out of it and the other one was this ring called Draupnir that odin wore that every i think eight days or i know it was every nine days it produced eight new rings of like the exact same size uh so you just i don't know something about that it seems like um you know like uh this constantly um uh, generative. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know what it reminds me of? Um, those ancient, those most ancient creation stories. The one that Jordan Peterson talks about from Samaria, where Apsu and Marduk are together. So Apsu is order, and Marduk is chaos. Um, but Apsu is the god of fr- fresh water, and T- Tiamat is the. Uh, sorry, Marduk and Apsu, Tiamat, Marduk and Tiamat. No, yeah, yeah. Apsu and Tiamat. Sorry, Mar- Marduk is their child. Okay. I'm fucking that all up. Sorry, uh, Tiamat and Apsu. Uh, so Tiamat is chaos. Um, Apsu is order. Apsu is the fresh water. Tiamat is the salt water. So they're both water, right? Yeah. And when they're together, before they before they be, before they're separated into Tiamat and Apsu, they're they're one thing. And Jordan calls that the Ouroboros. But they're, they're it's like the cosmic egg. Cosmic egg hatches, and the whole universe comes out of it. So originally they're together, and uh, while they're together, they're like in a sexual union. So while they're together, they're just creating inside of the egg. They're just creating things constantly. And it reminded me of the, of the ring, just shitting yeah. out more rings. They're just constantly creating it within themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and that is the image of, that is like, that's like a pantheistic image. It's, it's the God, it's consciousness. And within God is all of the things that we think exist. It's reality, it's being yeah. within that cosmic egg. And it's generative. It just constantly keeps creating. Yeah, no creating. beginning, no end. Just yeah. Just, uh, it, and it's funny because I started to think about God as a process. Mm-hmm. And I talk about that. I talked about that in my last podcast. And that's what kind of what we just described. Yeah. A process of shitting out things. You know, yeah, of producing yeah. things. Yep. And it's weird to think about God as a process because we're so accustomed to think about uh, about God as a supernatural being that to think about God as a process seems to take away the divinity from God. Yeah. And I think that's a mistake. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I, I There's 
something about the word mystical that um, almost conveys like a magic. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's something that I, I'm very interested into, uh, and it makes me wonder. You know, you compared it to the Matrix earlier, mm-hmm. and in the Matrix, you know, like there is no spoon, and he like bends the spoon <laughs> yeah, with his yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't that? I mean. On some level, does that make you wonder, like, what is and isn't possible? 100,000%, Like, man. And doesn't... That seems, like, crazy. Like, it does this seems seem, like... It, it does seem crazy. It seems like we're talking, like, comic book shit, you know? That's because we are. Kind of. So, like, I'm, I would have been the first guy to write off stuff like ESP, like telekinesis, like, you know, reading people's minds or communicating telepathically, or um, I would have been the first one to say that healing somebody with your hands and all that stuff was nonsense. Mm -hmm. Since I had a mystic experience, I've been slowly becoming more open to the idea. I still resist it. I'm very like begrudgingly saying this out loud right now. Um, But like Josh Hamilton, he's been on the podcast a few times. You know, he'll talk about stuff like healing. He'll talk about stuff like sensing energy. And I always thought that is such bullshit woo-woo, make-believe nonsense. But the thing is, if what I believe is true is actually true, that everything is consciousness, and that you and I are consciousness as well, if everything is consciousness and so are we, shouldn't I be able to bend consciousness the way I can bend my hand? Mm-hmm. Should I be able to like focus my attention on something and make it move? Like It seems to me theoretically possible when I always in the past would have been like, no way, man. I'm 100% on the same page with you. And I am growing less and less afraid of admitting it. I'm very interested in it. And that's like a part of, I think, this year's experiment. Oh, dude, I'm so interested in that. Like, like I'm so pessimistic about it because I still think it's hokum. I'm like, it's probably not going to go anywhere, but wouldn't it be cool if if you get some interesting results? Yeah, I mean, I think... I I just think that it's an interesting experiment either way. You know, I think, um, you know, you think of what magicians did back in the day. And I mean, a lot of this stuff, I think, can be attributed to like very primitive kinds of medicine and things like that. You know, yeah. you, you create this potion of medicinal herbs and you use it and it's, you know, it heals this person. Yeah. I mean, that grows on to be like pharmacology, you know. Here's a good example. The placebo effect. Mm. So this is something that we think of as modern. It's like you give someone a fake pill and they think it's real and their mind is so powerful that sometimes, in some cases, they will get better only because they thought that you gave them something that was making them better. What really made them better? It was their mind. So there, and, the, and then there's the, the, what do they call it when people have uh, actual symptoms uh, that are caused by psychosomatic. People have actual rashes and stuff that they can create just with their minds. Um, if that's possible, what else is possible, you know, with your mind? Yeah. Um, I sort of lost my thread there a little bit, too. I think it's... I, I'm definitely open to the idea that more things are possible than I, I previously oh, thought. Yeah, sorry. So, no, you're oh, good. We were talking about placebo. That's where I yeah, lost placebo. my thread. Um, people think that's a modern thing. Mm. But that that guy on the wall that you see with the mask from the cave painting yep. you think about that like if you were if you were sick with the disease in ancient Native American tribes 
somebody would put a mask on and do a dance and blow smoke on you and tell you that they went into your soul and found the demon that was harming you and they got rid of it. And that's the placebo effect. Some of those kids would just get better. You know, some of those sick people would just get better. The power of the mind is interesting, man. That's all I'm saying. Yep. That's a real example of, of, of medically validated example of how people could actually have physiological changes to their body based upon their 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 mind alone, their their perception. It's amazing. It is amazing. So so it makes do, you wonder. It does. Do you do you have any kind of experiment sketched out? Do you have you no, thought about it? I mean Yeah, not I've thought about it some, but I don't know. I, I don't have anything like firm nailed down yet. I, I know that I kind of I'm interested in like I said, this Norse stuff. So I kind of want to like look into the things that they would do. And I know that that involves things like full moons, mm-hmm. um, solstices, things like that. Um, even like days of the week, you know, like uh, if you need uh, if you need help with something uh, that like Thor is the patron god of, you 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 know you pray to Thor, you make an offering to Thor on Thor's day, Thursday, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. like that kind of stuff. Um, and you know, I have this idea that it's almost uh like an intentionality thing Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. like i don't really believe and i don't think that uh the people who were norse pagans back in the day believed that there really was a god named thor who carried around a hammer um just like i don't think a lot of christians believe that there is actually you know a bearded man in the clouds you know yeah um but it's like you focus your energy uh like thor is like a um i don't know like a mental talisman mm. so that you can concentrate your energy on changing reality it's interesting so like so the the idea of thor the image or symbol of thor might be something that you can you can you can meditate on you can emulate yeah. and you can and then you can um call upon or call forth from yourself when you need it exactly like like in your moments of weakness you you summon thor yes i love that the i get the hair on my arms just stood up because that reminds me of uh, carl jung talking about archetypes you know that that's exactly what archetypes are they're patterns of behavior they're patterns of being that you store and that you can that you can call forth that you can rely on when you need it you know, when you're in a pinch and you need to be Thor, you can be Thor. Absolutely. You call it forth from you. That's it's like what, summoning. It's like summoning a spirit, Kyle. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and this is why I kind of have respect for all religions at this point. Like, I think that that's that's what they all are, pretty much. Um, it gives. It's just the same idea manifesting itself in different ways because it's been developed by different peoples. You know what it reminds me of? What just that example, like like summoning a spirit. You could say that, summoning a spirit. Um, just like you said earlier, the spiritual energy of a rock. Or you could turn around and say, you know, the, quant- the, intim- the energy created by the quantum fluctuations in the space-time, whatever. You could, just, you could, make, you could, make a, uh, you could change the language and yeah. say the same thing. And one of them sounds not like hippy-dippy nonsense, and one of them sounds super scientific and, you know. Yeah. It's all about, it's all about language. Isn't that so funny, man? It's like... We're not, we're not doing any... There's nothing new under the sun. 
We're not doing anything new. We're just talking about it in different ways. Yeah. True that. It's amazing. And then we look down on those people from the past that believed in a whole pantheon of gods or the people that believed in all this, you know, like the people that believed... Um, I'll, I'll use an example from uh, from Viking myth, uh, mythology. They believe that the um, earthquakes were caused by the by the venom of a supernatural serpent that was dripping onto Loki's head. And when when Loki's wife had a bowl to catch the venom, just like it, Floki had that Floki's wife had that bowl mm-hmm. uh, from the show Vikings when uh, Loki was. When Floki was um, locked up in the mountain, the water was dripping on his head like chi- Chinese water torture. They took that from the story yeah. of, of Loki. And every time she would have to, to dump the venom out because the bowl was full, then the venom would actually hit Loki. And then That's he right. would writhe in pain yeah. and, and you know pull against those chains. And that was causing the earthquakes. This bitch got to get two bowls. Problem solved. <laughs> Switcheroo. Two dump. bowls. I know. Oh, Come on. God. Where uh, were you, man? I don't know. I could. I should have been there for Floki and Loki, apparently. But uh, they had super wild imaginations, you know. Like for, uh, like I feel like the Norse stories are always like that. It's like uh, venom is dripping from a giant serpent onto Lo- to Loki's head. It's like it's just crazy. They are super colorful. Yeah, but the Greek ones are too. I mean, oh, they all are. You That's remember? True. Do you remember the story of uh, Prometheus when he brings fire to man, and yeah. they, as a punishment, uh, Zeus. L- chains him to the mountain um and every every day the the vulture would come down or the eagle would come down and and eat his liver out of his of his body and because he was a god he would just regenerate it and have to suffer that pain every single day eternally that sucks yeah yeah it's brutal these gods are not nice people (laughs) they can be so mean (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah, no, that's. I mean, that that's basically it. I don't want to get too much into it. Right. Um, I do think one other thing. I guess I want to talk about real quick is. Uh, so I think that a lot of this magic and this sorcery from these old, um, like pagan religions, a lot of it is like terrifying to Christians. Like they see it and it's like devil shit. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. my mom is. Very oh yeah. Much like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that. You know, like the witch craze that was in Europe uh, and in Americas. I, yeah. I wonder if it was like people who were still practicing like old pagan religions. You know, that's interesting. Um, and obviously, it blew up into like hysteria where people are just being accused, and it's like nothing at all. But I do wonder if, you know, like I said, my mom has this fear of this pagan type. Uh, imagery now. So if you go back to the 1500s, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. you see some guy. Like doing some pagan type shit, and you're terrified. Uh, so I, I do. I just wonder if that witch stuff. I mean, they kind of were witches. I mean, you know, these pay these old pagan like. There are a lot of like female priestess type oh, things. Yeah. There yeah, are yeah. they're like magicians and male ones too. But yeah, uh, female seems to be a little bit more prominent. Yep. Yeah, magic is an interesting idea. I mean, I mean, is one way of of looking at it as a way of explaining things you can't explain mm-hmm. but because magic is something that is harnessed something that's used it's like you can you can use something you don't understand and that's it really mystical you know that you can uh, that you have some power over something you don't even understand I think that's interesting yeah. um, and I also think there's something to well set and setting there's something to creating um, a feeling and 
in any kind of ritual, you if you've ever been like to like a Catholic church on Christmas Eve for that mass or something, and you get the full effect of the mm-hmm. ritual, it, it creates a feeling. Now imagine if you were one of those people, those ancient people, and you go out to the uh, sacred. Um, uh, in Germany, they had sacred groves. So you went to you went to the sacred grove, and and there's a clearing, and there's an ancient oak in the middle of the clearing. It's the biggest tree in the forest. It's been it's been there for a thousand years, oh, yeah. and your and your ancestors had gone there, and they'd done this same ritual year after year after year. Imagine you go there, and you're you know trying to heal somebody or something and you're, and you're saying the prayers and you're doing the dance and you're singing the song and it's like the under the full moon and you believe that the, when the wind whips by that you that that you're calling forth the spirits and that was their that was their you know whisper and and then maybe the maybe there's thunder and lightning in the distance and you and you feel like you're participating in that and you set up this whole scene to make everybody believe that there's something special happening and you and you start to feel like you're participating in nature you start to feel like you're harnessing that 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 the powers that turn the heavens oh, yeah. and the powers that grow the tree are accessible to you and you're in you're swimming in it that's a very very mystical experience and what i'm saying is there might actually be well there's definitely a power there just like going to midnight mass on christmas eve at a catholic church um, and there's the placebo effect happening there where you feel like you've got the power. Everyone else feels like the power is there. And, you know, the point is, you can call it placebo if you want, but there's something happening there. Absolutely. And they know it, you know? And I, uh, to speak on something that I've experienced recently um, and something that is part of my plan for, you know, this this thing that I want to do, I've gone to this park that's a little bit west of here, and it's incredible, man. Uh, there's a river. You, you know, you go down this, like, steep drive to get down to the park. Uh, so it's, like, surrounded by, like... I mean, up top, it's just, like, roads and neighborhoods and shit. But this... It comes down into this park, and there's this river that runs through. And you can hike up the river. And it's awesome, man. There's these giant rocks. Nice. Um, and, you know, the river's running through there. Uh, and it, it's like a, it's a hike to get back here, but you get back and there's this waterfall. Oh. It's incredible, man, and it feels special for some reason to me. Mm. And you know, you see stuff like these cave paintings that we've talked about, and you still see that. Like you go there, and there are these people. None of them are as cool, but people are scratching shit into the rocks. Their initials, mm. um, you know, people draw hearts, things like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, people spray paint, which I, I would honestly, I would prefer that you just carve into the goddamn rock for some reason. The spray paint just looks so tacky to me. <laughs> but um, although, you know, I guess what's the difference? Yeah, yeah. It's not as good though. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a special place, man. You should go there. Oh, I would definitely want to. Yeah, it's not far. Hey, what's this thing? Am I am I still playing this? Yeah, video? yeah, absolutely. Just- uh, so a lot of the stuff that you've been talking about, like ritual and things like that. Um, th- this video, I I just want to hear see your reaction to it because right. I feel like it's uh, right up the alley of the stuff we've been talking about here. All right, well the uh, audience is only going to be able to hear it, but I'll, well, here, hit pause real quick. I'll tell you what it is. Yeah. It's a it's a band. Uh, they're three people. I think they're from Norway, Denmark, and Germany, and they're called Heilung, which is German for healing, mm. and they play like like germanic folk music like old germanic folk music interesting uh the lyrics are all based off of like norse myth and things like that 
um, and they only use basically, you know, all old school instruments and stuff. Nice. Um, and just the sound is great it's cool as hell but the visuals are fantastic and i think you'll you'll appreciate them <laughs> all right here we go i don't hear anything yet but it's coming yeah it's coming oh it's got like runes like oh that's pretty cool it's got like ru- like runic uh, letters and a like a a nature scene in the forest oh shit supposed to be audio or not it's coming okay oh i thought that was gonna stay there oh well it's like a crazy crazy guy with a beard and mud all over his face he's putting something really delicately into his mouth it looks like it's part of a ritual of some kind kind of remind oh it's a mushroom oh shit <laughs> it kind of reminds you of communion but now you just got this dirty viking man chewing on this mushroom real slowly and deliberately like he's uh Oh, and it must taste terrible. Oh, is he howling? All right, so they're all dressed up and they're... I feel like there definitely should be a little bit of audio. I don't know why there's nothing. Is it on? The music hasn't started yet, but... Oh, that's because I... You know what it is? Hold on, hold on. I know what it is. All right, this should be better. <laughs> okay, uh, I kind of want to rewind it. I messed that up. I just had the volume lever turned down. Gotcha. On the no, I think you got the gist of it. Oh, like standing stones in the forest, deep in the forest. Oh man, With carvings. It's just like a clearing in the middle of a grove it's like a sacred grove oh it's dope if you would oh man So there's three people all dressed up, and they actually look quite Native American, if I'm being honest. Yeah, and even do. some of the drumming and stuff sounds a little bit like that, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, they're like wearing horns and, um, uh, you know, animal skins, and it's definitely Nordic, but it just has that feel. And, and it must have had that feel. The, there's something about the tribal stuff that there is like a common thread that runs through all of it. Like, um, think about like celtic stuff it's it's super similar uh, a lot of the imagery anyways the uh like the celtic knots and the, the tribal uh braids and stuff like that it's a lot of crossover it's interesting because that's one thing that i think the last couple hundred years have uh 
kind of done a disservice for like the Western world because um, when we came to the New World and we started taming the taming the the savage you know West and all that stuff, that we we started to consider these nature religions to be completely separate from ours. Like yeah. like we were never like that. Oh yeah. But this is showing us that we absolutely were. The Western religions were very animistic, nature-worshipping religions with rhythmic drums and psychedelics and mm -hmm. shamanism. Absolutely. I, uh, you listen to other songs by this band, and um, it, the drums are much more intense. Ooh. And it's, uh, you know, I could. it sounds like maybe African drumming would have sounded, you know. I don't know. I'm not I, an I, expert in drumming. I love this, dude. I thought you would. It's cool as hell. You should watch it when we're not take, talking and just, like, take it in, but... Um, this would know, be that doesn't make for the most exciting podcast material. You guys should watch the video. It's cool as fuck. This would be a really good uh, soundtrack to a certain type of psychedelic experience. You know uh, what yeah. I mean? Oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Probably the very mushrooms they were eating, I would think. You would think. But yeah, High Lung. Yeah, High The song's lung. called No Rupo, I think. Yep, yep. It's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Yep. Um, so That's it. That's all I got. The thing that I had that I was trying to f uh, find was... Um, uh, but I couldn't get to it quick enough, was that on a podcast where they were talking about the Vikings, one of the guys was reading the Eddas in the language, and oh, yeah. there was a clip of it. It was like a minute and a half long of him. It was kind of sounded a lot like the, what they were singing, but like I, I was running on the treadmill listening to it, and I was like trying to make the sounds they were making, mm -hmm. you know, and I, 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 can't, I couldn't even do it. Like yeah. It's way, it sounds, hearing it in that tongue is so, it adds something to it, man. Yeah. I think uh, those languages are cool. Uh, I, I'm a fan of language and the way it develops and what that can tell us about our past. Mm. Uh, it's super interesting to me. Uh, I just, but I do just like the sound of those old Germanic languages. Um, you know, like uh, I've heard people read uh, the Lord's Prayer in, you know, the like old, how we yeah. would do it, and then in Middle English and High German, Old English, yeah. 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 And it's pretty interesting. It's cool. It is pretty interesting. You're um, right. The just the sound of it is very. Um, you know, you hear the way that Norwegian people sound nowadays, where the uh, you know I don't really want to do an impression. So I mean, just, I know what you're gonna you're gonna do the the Swedish baker. Yeah, voice basically, from, yeah. I'm not gonna do it. Yeah. But the, you know, you know what I'm thinking of, yeah. and that like old like old English kind of sounds like that to yeah. me. Like they the da, there's kind of exactly da, da. there's kind of like a rhythmic. Yep sing-songy kind yeah, of thing absolutely, to it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I don't think that modern German is like that. <laughs> oh, no. They've I, lost I, that. Yeah, they bit. did lose that. You're yeah. right. Um, um, I was going to tell you, I uh, know I'm just adding this in, we should probably be wrapping this up, but I ever tell you that when I was doing genealogy, um, I, I originally thought that my mom's maiden name came from uh, old, old German, and I thought it meant old gods yeah that would be cool as fuck it turns out it doesn't yeah. it means it has something to do with oil like yeah. anointing with oil the meaning of the name so it's like a christian name but i thought it was uh, it meant the old gods like they were the peasant family that lived over on the other side of the hills that hadn't been converted yet yeah. like those like those people over there that's cool as hell yeah it turns out it's not um so you you did some genealogy yeah i uh i actually reached out to um college professor at Ohio State, a lady who um, who uh, specializes in, um, you know, uh, German, ancient, ancient Germanic nice. languages, and she told me about a book, uh, and apparently these exist, uh, I just heard, heard of one talked about for Scandinavian names, uh, but it's like a book that talks, that talks about different f family names and, the f and records 
the history of the name as far back as it goes. And my mom's maiden name pops up in that book. And um, uh, because of that, they know where in Germany the family comes from, which is really cool to have learned that. There's a place, and I'm probably going to mispronounce it. If anybody's German, you're going to think this is silly. There's a place in Germany. I don't know if this is like a state or if it's like a like a region. You know, like we, we might say Appalachia. Like it's maybe it's a region. It's called Thuringia. T-H-U-R-I-N-G-A. I have no idea. I'm sure that's not how you pronounce it. But that's where my mom's family comes from. That's so fucking cool, man. That is cool. I uh, I ask about you doing genealogy. Did you use, like, a service, or were you just, like, hunting things I, down I, on your own? I emailed, like, five professors. I went online and searched. Tried to, tried to, I've done that before. I did that when I got my first tattoo. Yeah. I tracked down a professor that uh, that spoke uh, Avestan, which is an ancient ancient Persian language that nobody speaks anymore. It's a dead language. Yeah. Because I needed to identify words from a, from a, an ancient holy book called the Avesta. I needed to figure out what words meant this phrase because I wanted to get this phrase tattooed on me. And I tracked down a professor who was able to help me. That's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool. Um, but wait, so you were looking for like the meanings of names and areas where they came from, but yeah. you didn't like necessarily trace like generations back of your family or not, anything not like that. Not on my mom's side. Yeah. Not on my mom's side because okay. uh, um, well, I can't go back too far, man. Like uh, it's hard. My mom's um, dad didn't know his dad. Okay, I'm pretty sure his name was Wolfgang, but um, I'm not 100 percent sure about that. Um, but I don't think I don't think he like grew up with his dad. Yeah, and then. Before that, it's all the old country. Nobody knows anymore. Nobody knows. Yeah. Now, my dad's family, we tracked back to the first ancestor who came here from the old country, but I can't go back any further than that. Okay. Um, and I, and th- I'm actually less sure where that part of the family comes from um, because in the census information, some of them said Switzerland, some of them said Germany, and my research le- leads me to leave to believe it might be Liechtenstein, so I've got no idea. Liechtenstein. Yeah. Sir Ulrich von Liechtenstein. <laughs> 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 um so yeah, I asked because I signed up for Ancestry.com and um, I've been tracing it back. I've gotten my, I think my grandma's line of the family back to like uh, the late 1600s. So that's pretty cool. Oh, 1600s? 1600s. Yeah. That's awesome. It's been so easy though because I mean Ancestry.com makes it super easy, man. Um, so the last time I did Ancestry.com was in 2006. And I used to go on my lunch break to the library. You could use it for free. And I, could, I, I didn't have a lot of luck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I want to... Uh, some other people in my family have done it, and I would like to compare it and see if we have all the same people. Um, but as far as I can tell, it's it's pretty good. Uh, and there, I, I, I sent you this last night. There's been this rumor in my family that through my grandfather's... My mom's dad's side of the family... Uh, that we were related to William Henry Harrison. And uh, I didn't even, it's not like I was tracing it back and was like, oh, you know, yeah. they they notified me about it, which was pretty interesting. That is, I do remember you saying that when we were kids. Yeah. I do remember hearing it. And that's pretty cool. That I mean, you know, cool. I don't really give a shit. I, I think that he might be my favorite president just because he died 30, 31 days into his term. I'm <laughs> a big fan of that. But, uh, you know. Uh, now I feel like I'm wishing uh, wishing ill upon an ancestor of mine, but still, you know. So I, I wonder if I do Ancestry.com today, if the date is a lot better, if I if I get further today. Maybe. Because I didn't have a lot of luck. And I, the Church of Latter-day Saints is another um, free public database that does a lot of genealogy, so you can find stuff there if you're interested. But Sweet. You want to wrap this one up? Sure.
All right, you guys. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you think of this, but you can expect Kyle to be get, getting back to us with some more Norse stuff. Yeah. And if he gets into some uh, ritual magic and trips balls in the in the <laughs> river, we're gonna we're not gonna ask him to tell us that story. All right, guys. We'll see. Yep. Well, there you have it. That's one avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know. It's not easy work. Thinking. It's hard and full of uncertainties, but I'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together. Here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze. See what I did there? Let's find out together in the next episode.